lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Super Tuesday to all of you. We are live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. Todd Erzin has the day off. Aaron McIntyre is here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you would like to join us here today. 888-900-3393. You can also email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. And if you're looking for samples of the show that you would like to share, uh, check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Steve Dace, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. In fact, trending over there right now is a snippet of what I laid out yesterday, the three reasons that have nothing to do with electability, why conservatives should be rooting for Bernie Sanders 2020. All right, youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Well, even with Super Tuesday, we've got regular order of business here, as we would any other not-so-Super Tuesday. Fake news are not coming your way at the bottom of the hour, and I'm going to make a bit of an exception to the the MO that we typically follow for that segment. Aaron, do you have an objection now that you know what it is? It's a, It's been an exceptional 24 hours, so I think an exception is in order. Indeed. So we're going we're gonna to get into that with fake news or not. Next hour, we're going to talk about a story that you're going to see a lot more of. And this is what it means to live in a post-Christian culture. You're going to see more stories like this. So prepare yourself now. And then we will get into Pop Culture Tuesday. We got to end on a bit of a lighter note. Hillary Clinton is getting set to launch a podcast. Well, I know a thing or two about launching a media platform. So we thought we'd spend some time giving the former First Lady Secretary of State, giving her some pointers on what she could do uh, for the podcast that she will be launching here imminently. So we'll get to all of that. But first, we have to get to Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away? Brought to you by... Tomorrow's Superstar Tuesday. And I want to thank you all. I tell you what, I'm rushing ahead, aren't I? The non-Bernie Sanders faction of the Democratic Party seems to be doing their darndest to coalesce behind Uncle Joe Biden for today's Super Tuesday contests. After dropping out of the race, Pete Buttigieg went ahead and endorsed the former vice president. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar also dropped out yesterday and threw her support behind Biden as well. In addition, former National Security Advisor Susan Rice and former Senate candidate and presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke of Texas announced they'd be supporting Biden for the nomination as well. Bernie Sanders, your thoughts? It is clear to me uh, that the corporate elite is getting very nervous about our campaign. Back to Texas, Biden seems to be making a fairly large push there. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. I'm gonna guarantee you this is not last year's scene of this guy. You're gonna take care of the gun problem with me. You're gonna be the one that leads this effort. Yes, that's the same Beto O'Rourke who said this. Hell yes, we're gonna take your AR-15, your AK-47. Mike Bloomberg held a town hall on Fox News last night, and you can probably guess what they talked about. President Xi is not a dictator, you said, but you just listed a bunch of human rights violations that are so egregious. So the, the, how can you say that? The technical definition a of a dictator was what we were talking about that day. He is a very powerful 
person there. 14 states and one territory will vote in today's Super Tuesday contests. Bernie Sanders still leads in key states like Texas and California. But with yesterday's avalanche of endorsements for Joe Biden, it could be an interesting night once the results start pouring in. Moving on, MSNBC host and longtime pundit Chris Matthews made an announcement last night. I'm retiring. This is the last hardball on MSNBC. And obviously, this isn't for lack of interest in politics. Let me tell you why. The younger generations out there are ready to take the reins. We see them in politics, in the media, in fighting for their causes. They are improving the workplace. We're talking here about better standards than we grew up with, fair standards. A lot of it has to do with how we talk to each other. Compliments on a woman's appearance that some men, including me, might have once incorrectly thought were okay. We're never okay. Not then and certainly not today. And for making such comments in the past, I'm sorry. In Israel, it appears Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu has won yet another election. Initial results overnight show him and his party winning with larger margins than in recent elections. Learning Hebrew today, today's phrase is, I don't understand Israeli politics, so I'm going to stop right there. Wall Street made some of its biggest gains in history yesterday as stocks started to make a comeback from the coronavirus panic. The Dow added 1,294 points. That's its biggest point gain in history. In Los Angeles, video surfaced yesterday of the husband of the Los Angeles County District Attorney Jackie Lacey pulling a gun on Black Lives Matter protesters who had shown up at his home. Get off of my porch. I will shoot you. Get off of my porch. Can you tell Jackie Lacey that we're here? I don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. Get off of my porch right now. We're calling the police right now. CBS News produced a video yesterday gushing about the Russian youngsters putting together AK-47s as a part of a competition. <laughs> Meanwhile, in America... What we're watching is a clip you've possibly seen depicting a drag queen dancing extremely provocatively for a young girl who is in obvious distress over what she's seeing. So there's that. And now here's this. Rhett McLaughlin and Link Neal are an immensely popular YouTube duo who produce the daily show Good Mythical Morning. Their various YouTube channels have subscribers numbering in the tens of millions, and the two have made appearances on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and had guests appear on their show, including Jack Black, Bill Hader, and Daniel Radcliffe. Rhett and Link's comedic sketches or stunts and their Good Mythical Morning show were distinctively clean and goofy and, as their subscriber count shows, have been a smashing success with younger generations. What many had no idea about is that the duo were previously staff members and missionaries with Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew, an evangelical ministry targeting universities. Last week, Rhett and Link talked about their faith in a series of podcasts that they called their Spiritual Deconstruction Stories and announced to the world that they were now agnostic. We'll be talking about this more later on in the show. And finally, something not so nearly depressing. A young boy in Kansas likes to dress up as a police officer and head to nursing homes where he hands out tickets for hugs. Violation City of Oakland Park. Stop, you have a receipt and ticket for being too cute. Oliver. 
Oh my. <laughs> you want a hug? I'd love it. Let me come to this side. Oh, that's so nice. Do you want a hug? Yeah. Oh, I sure do. And that's what happened while we were away. Good way to end that montage. All right, let, let's let's get to uh, Super Tuesday today. And what we've witnessed over the last 24 hours. You know, I, I, I wasn't around in the smoke-filled room convention days. I mean, that's, you know, pre-72. I wasn't even alive yet. So... Aaron wasn't going to be born for like 20 more years. I, I, and we didn't have social media. We didn't have cable news. We didn't have 24 hour news cycles. Right. I, I, you know, and I, I just don't know how aware most Americans were about the deal, you know, Joe Kennedy cut in the smoke filled room to have Lyndon Johnson, the Southern Democrat running mate, uh, Protestant running, running mate for his Catholic kid to win the nomination. Right. I mean, we don't, we don't, who knows? We didn't know about that kind of stuff or whatever deal was, was dealt in the smoke filled room, uh, to make uh, poor Ike take on a guy he couldn't stand Richard Nixon as his, as his running mate. <laughs> and then when he ran for president in 1960, refused to endorse him. Okay. I mean, we don't know what, what those eras were like. And most Americans didn't live in this omnipresent world of breaking news. Okay. In, in this era though, what has transpired for the last 24 hours? You know, I, I have been telling you the last few years that Donald Trump is not a paradigm shift. The fundamentals that existed in American politics before he arrived are still largely the same. The, right? We talked about that all of last year. The, the cake baking is the same. The formula is still the same. It's still the same recipe. It still requires two eggs, cup of milk, right, et cetera. The frosting is zanier, Okay. There's no doubting that. I'm not denying that. The frosting is zanier. The frosting's a lot wackier in, the, in this era. But the, the cake is still baked the same. But what we saw last night has a chance to be something. And it could be nothing. I, I don't know. And I'm not a Democrat. I'm not um, heavily immersed or involved in the psyche, the psyche of, of Democratic Party voters other than trying to defeat their candidates, you know, but I don't know. But what we have seen over the last 24 hours could be a paradigm shift. Because we've, we've never seen, this was, this was just beginning when we were on the air yesterday. And, and Pete Buttigieg was the first to, to go down. He was the first to fall. And we talked about how you know, a lot of the states that, that Biden is strong in tonight are in the South. Buttigieg is irrelevant in those states. I don't see that he's a massive help to him. And how quick of a new, how quick can one news cycle travel, right? Right. Okay. Well, they created, after we got off the air, the, the Democratic Party and its media created and contrived an entire news cycle. I mean, I... This makes, I kind of feel bad now complaining about uh, Roger Ailes over at Fox News putting his thumb on the scale mm. for Marco Rubio for a few days after Iowa to turn bronze it's, into the new gold. chicken feed. That is chicken feed. You're right, man. 
That's J. That's the junior varsity compared to what we have witnessed the last 24 hours. In broad daylight, you watched and you watched one of America's two major political parties go beyond putting its thumb on the scale. They dropped a millstone. Pardon the pun. They dropped a millstone on the scale. Now, there are still some logistical issues here. A lot of the the reasons I gave yesterday, why I didn't think Beto would be, I'm sorry, Freudian slip, Buttigieg would be a massive help to Joe Biden. Well, a couple of them are still relevant. The amount of early voting, for example, that is still an issue. And, you know, two weeks ago, I was down in, in Nashville uh, speaking to some uh, very committed patriots down there that had me as their guest. And of course, that community has been just torn asunder by awful tornadoes last night. Last I saw up to now 20 fatalities, I think is what I saw yeah. before we came in this morning. And just, yeah. you know, and some of these are places I was just at two weeks ago when I um, I've reached out to the, the host uh, folks that had me down there to make sure they're okay. And um, they've got other things to worry about right now than the fact their state is on the docket tonight for Super Tuesday. And, they, and they're right too. Okay, that, this is far more important, but it's the kind of story, though, that can have some political ramifications as we send our thoughts and our prayers down to the people of Nashville. It, it, it can, because with the amount of early voting that's already in, if there's a, if there's a large group of people that this just isn't on their, on their radar tonight, um, it, it, right? You see where I'm that, that can have yep. an impact on, on that kind of a turnout. So when you're trying to do all of this within 24 hours, your margin for error to pull off an operation like what they're attempting right now is not high because even a little thing, even if this election were a week away, tornadoes ravaging through the Nashville area, and that's going to be an area where a Joe Biden's going to do better than a, um, than a, than a Bernie Sanders is amongst Democratic voters, okay? Mm -hmm. A tornado ravaging through that area and, um, you know, just taking an entire community and, you know, existentially putting them in peril. If, if this primary was just a week later and they were doing this, would not have nearly the impact that these kinds of things that you have no control over when you try to pull something like this off within 24 hours, they can become factors. But we, are, we watched over the last 24 hours a major political party with its allies in the media coordinate a Pearl Harbor hit job. That's what they did here. And I mean, it was just story after story after story after story to dominate an entire news cycle in the hopes that a lot of people that were going in to vote today that had not yet decided just vote for Joe Biden with the assumption that he's the guy that has the momentum. And this is, I'm kind of so shook by it. And when I mean shook, I should say from a political scientist analyst perspective. Okay. I'm not like morally indignant about it. You know, I'm not like hang, you know, Aaron and I didn't like, you know, weren't gripping in a corner right before we went on the air. In fact, we didn't even discuss this. You had no idea no. what I was going to say. From a political analyst standpoint, I'm kind of shook by it because I, we've never seen anything like it. I, I don't, you know, press it. Here's the thing. Todd puts it this way. The status quo is the status quo until it's not anymore, right? Yep. The, the way you would put it in a more technocratic fashion is that Past history is always indicative of future performance unless a paradigm shift or change has been introduced. 
If a paradigm shift or change has been introduced, then past history is no longer indicative of future performance. It's just not as relevant. Otherwise, it is entirely relevant. History doesn't just repeat itself. It also rhymes. This has the potential to be a paradigm shift. I don't, I don't think the Republican Party could do this if it wanted to, because it's only real outlet that it has that sort of a symbiotic relationship with that reaches a mass group of people is Fox News. OK, like if, 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 you know, there's other platforms of means on the right, ours would be one of the biggest, as a matter of fact. But if like if like the Republican Party called Tyler Carden or Gaston Mooney are two monkey mucks here and said, hey, uh, we got to stop uh, blankety blank, unless the guy was just like a racist or an anti-Semite, but it, because you thought he was too far in he, that he was too committed to your party platform. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. like if they called our mucky mucks here at the blaze and said, man, we got to stop this guy before super Tuesday right now, this guy's too committed to our party platform. He can't win. It wouldn't work. Wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. Fox would probably do it. We would not daily wire would not do it. There, there's just not that level of symbiosis between the Republican party on that intimate of a level, hand to glove and, and a lot of the large platforms in conservative media or large media platforms period. But there's a slew of them on the left, New York Times, Washington Post, ABC, CBS, NBC. And it's, 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 it's like Joe Biden is the only candidate running these last 24 hours. Now, if Joe Biden were a good candidate or a strong candidate, he wouldn't require this level of triage. And even with, even with what's happening right now, the dude can't, he can't get a sentence out because he's senile and or has early onset dementia and I believe could be legally ruled incompetent if we had like a real hearing about it for a publicly traded company. And we keep saying that because it's true, I think, sadly. But it, but what you've seen the last 24 hours, I kind of referenced this casually yesterday. If that guy wins the presidency, he's not, he's not running the show. It, it's going to be somebody, uh, some, somebody else's are going to be running the country and you can probably guess who they are. They're your hoax state people, you know, your Kavanaugh hoax, your collusion hoax, your Ukrainian phone call hoax. Just name your hoaxes for the last few years. They're going to be running the show. Well, I think you've seen that in the last 24 hours. The Joe Biden campaign could not have done this. I mean, we, we, we got a good look at what the Joe Biden campaign is on its own. It's called the Iowa caucuses. What do you get? 11, 12, 13 percent mm -hmm. with with all of that money and all of that head start. And he's out there engaging voters in Iowa, retail politics, one-on-one, -on -one, shaking hands. And, and Iowans got an up-close per... He's supposed to be the candidate to win back those rural voters that, 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 that the Democrats lost to Trump. And, and those rural Iowans got a good look at, 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 at Mr. Biden and said, uh, yeah, that, that dog ain't going to hunt. That's what, Joe, that's, the, that's what the Joe Biden campaign is on its own. Even in South Carolina... I've never seen a number like this. 47% of black voters in the South Carolina exit polls said that that uh, representative Jim Clyburn's endorsement of Joe Biden played a role in, in their uh, vote for Joe Biden. Did you see that data point? Wow. I've never seen anything yeah. like that. 47% of a voting block, half of them, said that this guy's endorsement is why essentially I'm voting for this dude. I've never seen something like that. 47%, half of them. Nearly. So the sweeping victory that Biden had in South Carolina, maybe he still would have won there because the demographics do favor him and not Bernie. But the, the, the sweeping type of victory he had, 
the system had to had to do that for him too. He he can't do anything on his own. And if he can't campaign on the on his own merits, you know he can't run a country on his own merits. The the system that's propping him up is is who's going to govern if he wins. But but I've never seen anything like this. And and I don't I don't know how it will work. And and here's the thing too, I have followed the the last minute polling, the last 24 hours, man, it's all over the place. Last night there were tons of good polls for Biden. This morning there's a ton more good polls for Sanders. I, I don't. Here's the because here's the thing too. And I when we announced what our theme was this year, assume you're being lied to. One of the when we announced it on our first day back for 2020 on January the sixth, one of the things I pointed out to you is that the 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 bias that you see in the media, they have done their best to insulate the polling industry from this. Because that's a major cash cow for them. And it's their—it's really their last claim of obje- objectivity. But, but it, the same media that, is, that gave us Covington Catholic, I, I, don't, I don't know at this point. If you're that all in for your narrative, why would you not just rig polls now, right? We talked about that back on January the 6th. Well, I think that kind of applies to, to today in a way. And if you think I'm being nuts, Aaron, tell me. But, but if you're going to contrive... All these, you have Amy Klobuchar dropping out before her home state votes today. She's going to lose her home state probably to Bernie Sanders with that. I mean, the level of, of, of movement here, the mass movement here to go all in Pearl Harbor style and try to take Bernie Sanders out with one fell swoop. I don't know. If you're going to go that far, why wouldn't you just have a whole bunch of fake polls ready to go in the morning that shows... I mean, dude, we were sitting here yesterday and Bernie Sanders had had a, had a was over 30% in, in two North Carolina polls yep. as we were sitting here talking that were from universities in the state, right? Yep. This morning, they've got polls out now from the Democrats saying that Joe Biden's going to hit like 48% in North Carolina tonight. Maybe that'll happen, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because I've never seen anything like this. But I'm just saying that I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I'm being irresponsible here. If I did, I wouldn't say it. I don't think I'm being irresponsible here to suggest that if you're willing to go to the links the Democratic Party has gone these last 24 hours to end Bernie Sanders before he walks out of Super Tuesday with an insurmountable delegate margin, then I don't know why you wouldn't just have lined up. If you got all these other things lined up, these endorsements, all these media stories, all this coverage, why wouldn't you just have all these fake polls lined up that show Biden with yeah. these massive swings, get on the board, it's over, Bernie's done, vote vote Joe. Why wouldn't you do that? Well, there's no reason, and, and that begs another question, a follow-up question, which is what else are they willing to do if they're this scared of him and they've waited this long to try to, that's to, try the, to stop that's Bernie Sanders? That's a question. Sanders, half, half, hashtag that's, Epstein didn't kill himself that's, is probably yes, wondering. What else are they willing to do? And that's yeah. maybe a, a question for tomorrow, uh, depending on the results of, of tonight. But I've, I've never seen anything like this. Of course, I'm a lot younger than probably most of our, our audience, but I can't even fathom... You know, this is over the table, although you know what they're what they're you know what they're trying to accomplish. This is proverbially over the over the table legit. What are they trying to do under the table? What are they going to do that's under a good the table? Point too. Yeah. And that's that. What, what's going on that we're not seeing? Exactly. I mean, we've got yeah. all these people. I mean, I, need, I forgot Beto O'Rourke was alive. OK, I mean, they are pulling out every stop. 
And because do you know how far down your list you've got to go to pull Bader or work out of mothballs? Okay. I mean, they couldn't get him off the campaign trail quick, quick enough when he's out there talking about, hell yeah, we're taking your guns and everything else. The, the party was in a panic over that. Okay. Remember their own media was like saying to Beto, you know, you're not supposed to, we had those clips. Hey, yeah. you're, you're not supposed to be saying that out loud. You know that, right? Isn't that Bernie Sanders' sin? Yeah. And He's telling too much truth out there. Isn't and, that his sin? And how, I mean, you look at Iowa, you look at, at what happened here and what they did and, and it's, it's shady. I think the conclusion to some degree that all three of us on this show came to is that they tried to tank and they tried to stop Bernie Sanders there and did it in a really, really clumsy, clumsy way. And I, I think the cat is out of the bag now and it should have been maybe more obvious before this point, but they are, they being uh, people who are pulling the strings at, at the, you know, at the DNC they are they are willing to go to pretty pretty extreme measures right now to try to stop this guy and i i just i just wonder if we're going to be looking back at what happened in iowa as kind of the herald of what's going to happen in the future if bernie sanders continues to roll well here's the danger of this if you're going to do this okay uh, as grand moff tarkin said on the uh, deck of the Death Star as it was entering the orbit of Yavin 4. Okay? I'm taking an awful risk. This had better work. Okay? I mean, if if he comes out of here with the delegate lead tonight, I, I mean, the only thing left they can throw at him is we just get up one morning and, and uh, 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 you know, Bernie Sanders is having another uh, uh, another chess grabber. Isn't this sad? That's the only thing left. That is the only thing left. I mean, they have, there is nothing left to throw at this guy. I mean, they're, they're resurrecting his crazy rape fantasy college papers that the right was talking about this stuff for, you know, almost two years ago. All right. They're, they're, they're doing everything they possibly can. So if, if you're going to try to, if you're going to try to eradicate the rebel Alliance in one fell swoop, you better not have a thermal exhaust port. They, they, they better win this thing tonight. And they might. I don't know. This is the first time I'm hedging on inevitability because I've never seen anything like this. So I, I don't know what the precedent is for its impact. I, I, I don't know. It, it, it could be nothing. He could still open a can on him tonight. I don't know. It, it, it could be a massive shift. I don't know how pliable... Well, we know how pliable Democratic voters are. I don't know how how portably pliable they are because they're trying to pull this all off in numerous states in just 24 hours. Yeah, so. here's your here's your thermal exhaust port potentially, and, and I would say, but you know, my my opinion is is probably uh, it's early voting. That that's probably you might be right about thermal that. exhaust port yeah. right there because when you make these changes so late in the game. You really, whatever whatever chance you had to capture people who are loosely play, paying attention, the closer you get to the, to, you know, to uh, zero day or what have you, the closer you get to that day, the less that impact is going to be. So long as early voting is is intact, because uh, the the longer or the further away you are from that day, the more people are going to be early voting, and the more chances they're voting for somebody who probably dropped out yesterday. So that could be your thermal exhaust. That, right and there. it could be. And if that's the case, if you're right, let me. I can tell you this. I can tell you, 
If you're right about that, this will be the spin tomorrow morning on the entire Democrat Party media propaganda network. Yep. The spin will be, well, you've really got to add up what Klobuchar and and Buttigieg and Biden got together. And that's really the vote that Biden got. And you really need to move all the delegates that those candidates received, which probably won't be that many. But between the two of them might be that could, could potentially be the difference between a Biden and a, and, a, and a Sanders, or at least close that gap considerably. And that means you've really got to move those delegates over to Joe Biden because they're all, they're all like one big happy you know, a fleet now. Mm-hmm. That will be the spin tomorrow. If, you're, if, if, you're, if your hypothesis there, and I think it's a pretty good one, about the, the, the amount of early voting within the Democratic Party has, is going to make it even tougher to impact the vote to the extent that they claim. And and I don't know if it's blanket, like is, is the early voting in North Carolina as nuts as it is in California for Democrats? Sure. We don't know that the answer to that. Okay. Because if it is, there's no way Joe Biden is going from 28 to 46% in 24 hours. Cause there's too many people that already voted. He can't mm-hmm. do it. The numbers aren't there, but if it's not, then maybe it could happen. I don't know. All right. But, but if you're right, that that is their thermal exhaust port and they can't, and he still comes out of here, the, the front runner tonight, the spin tomorrow will be, you've got to add up, Biden, Buttigieg, and Klobuchar, and, and, and the delegates, too, kind of to start mm-hmm. setting the stage for delegate movement. That will be the spin in the morning. All right, we'll come back. Fake news or not is next. Stay tuned. Now the audience is cooking with gas. Just got a note from one of our listeners slash viewers, Richard Walker, who says, hey, why wouldn't they just rig the early voting then too? Yeah. I, I you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't know why they wouldn't, I, you know, now, I mean, in some places, you know, when you have a primary, for example, okay, um, that's one of the reasons that states have caucuses instead of primaries. And this isn't universally true, but it's typically true. Okay. One of the reasons that states will have caucuses instead of primaries is because if you have a caucus that um, can be privately um, administered and regulated by the political party. So for example, by, by law in Iowa, you cannot win a primary in the state with less than, I think it's 35% of the vote. That's the threshold. And a lot of states have thresholds. That's why we see runoffs, okay? We don't have any kinds of those kinds of thresholds with the caucuses. You can win it at any percentage. In fact, if you get 35% in the Iowa caucus, man, you're crushing it because there's usually, you know, upteen candidates in that, right? Um, the, the Republicans have chosen in the Iowa caucuses not to have a merit minimum threshold that you have to have to win place or show the Democrats do. Okay. If it's a, if it's and the reason why is because primaries are handled by the same infrastructure that handles a general election, the same precincts, everything else. And so therefore they're applicable to state law. So I, I mean, to pull that off, although I like the way you're thinking, Richard, the more I think about it, to pull that off would require having the state government apparatuses involved, or is it apparati? Do you know um, the, the the various state governments apparatuses would have to be involved in those shenanigans because they are counting those votes, not the Democratic Party. 
Now, they can do that to Bernie in Iowa because they're, they're counting the votes. The Democratic Party is. But in the Tennessee primary tonight, the Alabama primary tonight, the California primary tonight, I think Utah is a caucus, I think. But um, the rest of those are state, our states are primaries. The, those are being counted by and, and certified by the um, uh, publicly by and, government, and not, not by the party. party. Right. Yeah. yeah. But but. I like the way you're thinking out there, Richard. I like that. All right, let's get to it. This is fake news or not. Now, this year, or was it last year we changed it? It was last year, 2019. Yep. Mm-hmm. We, we changed the way we've been, we've been doing this segment each week back in 2019. And if you're a regular viewer slash listener, you know this. We, we stopped fact-checking enemy media. Or enemy that sees us as the or media that sees us as the enemy. That that's where we go by enemy media. It's not that I've declared war on them; it's that they've declared war on us. And and there's so there's no point in fact checking overt propaganda, where you're beyond bias. You're not you're not just. And, and what do I mean by that? Let me clarify. I, I look at I look at a slate of facts and I see them through my own bias, and I don't restrain my bias in how I report or analyze those facts. Okay, that's a bias. When I when I move beyond that to propaganda, I'm now just I'm I'm what was Kellyanne Conway's line that she got panned for? I'm coming up with alternative facts. Mm-hmm. I'm just coming up with alternative facts. These things don't even have to be factual now, meaning that my preference and analytical desire those are the facts. I was talking to somebody recently that was telling me um, their mom is a big is a, is a Bernie bro. And when they when when their mom asked them, "Well, why aren't you?" and he said, "Well, because um, uh, Bernie is a is a communist." And their mom said, "Well, that's just your opinion." He's like, "No, mom. Like the dude is a went to the Soviet Union and loves Castro. He's a he's a socialist. He identifies as a socialist. He's he's an actual communist. That's not a it's not my opinion. It's a fact." Now, you can have your opinion on whether you like communism or not, right? You can have an opinion on that. Yep. But you cannot have an opinion on that Bernie Sanders is a Marxist. You can't have an opinion on that. that that's what he is. He'll tell you that. So, so that's the difference. Propaganda doesn't even, doesn't even assume, doesn't even, doesn't even feel the need to spin facts that are not convenient. It just bypasses them all together into pushing its preferred narrative. That's why we don't, fake news or not Democrat media anymore because they've moved beyond bias in our view to just outright propaganda. And so we've been focusing more and more on the platforms and the people that are supposedly speaking facts to the what's left of America. Today though, given what has transpired the last 24 hours, I'm going to make an executive decision and we're going to make an exception to this because I, I, I'm, I, I'm just fascinated by what we are watching. So what I've set aside for you, Aaron, and the audience, three separate clips, one of them's a montage, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through these three clips and set them up. And then I'm going to hand it off to you uh, to do the heavy lifting with Todd not here today. On your, You get to be a one-person jur- jury this week. Your views of these clips from a fake news or not perspective. Let's set the stage with this one. This is a montage of the media freakout over Bernie Sanders and his frontrunner status. 
I thought it was a great night for Bernie Sanders. I thought it was a great night for Donald Trump. I thought it was a terrible night for the Democrats. The truth is Bernie Sanders is on its trajectory to be the Democratic nominee. To me, he I just don't see him having any shot in a general election. I'm panicked. I am absolutely panicked. Well, uh, no one but Bernie, Stephanie. Come on. He's an anarchist. He would love to burn down the United States. If we nominate a socialist like Bernie Sanders, we're going to lose. It'll be like George McGovern. It'll be a blowout. And nobody just says the obvious. Bernie, you're full of it. They're just pandering to the Bernie people. And you know what? Pandering gets you nothing. It certainly doesn't get your respect. Tom Perez needs to step down. He's a joke. He's a clown. He can't run the Democratic Party anymore. It, it's lost its way. I don't see how Democrats uh, do anything but bleed out when they put a socialist at the top of the ticket. It is a death sentence for the party, and it will lead to Donald Trump's reelection. The loser, as Leslie put it, are the Democrats. They've got to get out there and say, I disagree with socialism. I believe in the markets. Right. I think he's wrong. I think he'll never get it done. And in this country, we'll never go that direction. And by the way, we'll lose 49 states. Corbyn didn't work in England. Bernie ain't going to work in the United States. So Bernie Sanders causing a freak out there of the Democrat media for essentially fulfilling the talking points that they have been using against people like us my entire life anyway. Which leads now, this is this this is one of the responses from Bernie himself. And let me tell you something. The establishment is getting very, very nervous. I read something the other day, a lobbyist for the military industrial complex getting nervous. Worried that maybe we'll stop endless wars. And the drug companies are getting nervous. They're worried that we're not going to allow them to charge us 10 times more for the same exact medicine they sell abroad. Now, what's fascinating about his response. I've heard Democrats talk about the drug companies and being anti-war. I mean, my, my, my entire life I've heard this. This is not new. I've been listening to this my entire life. So how come when Bernie says it, Chris Matthews calls it pandering? They weren't. Barack Obama says it, he gets a thrill up his leg. Well, you know, there's a little, a Freudian slip was made there. For what Matthews to be saying, for, for, for what Matthews is saying to be true, requires, therefore, to tacitly admit that when his party has been saying these things all these years, it was, it was meant to pander to these people to get their votes. And it really wasn't interested and serving these constituencies. He was just interested in, in cynically using them with these talking points to win elections and get power. That was it. So they really don't mean this stuff. They just mean it as a means to an end, to get power. And that Bernie's sin is they believe that he might actually follow through on this stuff. Final clip here. Here's former Democrat national chairman, chairwoman, I should say,
Donna Brazil, her of the rigging, uh, uh, what was she get, get, got caught doing? Uh, slipping Hillary the debate oh, questions yeah. Yeah. four years ago, right? Okay. Here's her talking about the state of the race. And I think Joe Biden can now go into Alabama, where I believe he is today, Arkansas, Tennessee, parts of Texas, Virginia, North Carolina, and try to grab as many delegates as possible. Bernie has a bigger uh, assignment, and that is he not only has to win his state of Vermont, try to capture the, uh, the voters in Maine and Massachusetts, where Elizabeth Warren, but Bernie, because of his success in 2016, can go to Minnesota, California, Colorado. So I still believe it's Bernie's race. All right. That's Donna Brazil saying it's still she believes Bernie's to lose. Now, keep in mind, though, she said this on Sunday morning uh, on Fox before the full rollout of what we've witnessed the last 24 hours took place. All right. The Death Star was still out there in open space. It did not entered into the orbit of the fourth moon of Yavin quite yet. OK, so, Aaron, looking at these three, uh, this compilation of these three clips your thoughts from a fake news or not perspective the dichotomy of leftism is is really quite striking and it's on display there it's it's on display there and let me explain why the dichotomy of leftism of progressivism is that it relies so much on useful idiots the low information voters that rush limbaugh popularized it relies on those types of people in order to achieve its agenda well, at the same time, they're not idiots. That the people running, the people in power, they're not idiots either. And I think that's on full display here. Because on the one hand, as you pointed out with the Chris Matthews and, and that montage of people freaking out about a potential of a Bernie Sanders nomination, you saw them, as you noted, duly, tacitly admit that they were just pandering you in order to get what they wanted, which is what Bar Bernie Sanders is actually saying out in the open and proudly right now. They pandered to and they needed those uh, useful idiots in order to achieve what they wanted. Well, at the same time, they see Bernie Sanders and they are honest with themselves, I think, about the package that he presents. And they are at least self-aware enough or aware of Bernie Sanders enough to say that dog ain't going to hunt this time. We don't want to do. You heard one of those clips say, you know, Jeremy essentially say this is America's Jeremy Corbyn, which is what we've been saying on this mm -hmm. show for a while. You, you hear that. And that shows them that they're not just mindless drones, just onward, comrade. There is some at least awareness of what this could do. And they are afraid of the backlash. They are afraid of the reverb if we roll out, if we're too honest, too soon with the American people. And they're worried and they are concerned that that might set back their beautiful march to, to progress. Well, I think the third part of this is too. All of this is all of this is fake news because Bernie Sanders, what if he accomplishes what he says he's going to accomplish? This is what all these people want anyway. It's what all these people want anyway. It's just that I think some people, some some of the voices that we heard there in the montage specifically. I think they live in a world and they've been told and they've been sold a bill of goods and they've really experienced nothing else than uh, you can have your cake and eat it too. You know, we can we can uh, we can do all that we're accomplishing, all that we all that Bernie wants to accomplish. We can do this, uh, but we have to have it in a, in a perfect package. And now they're being shown the imperfect package, but the perfect the perfect solution, the, the final solution, if I if I may, the final solution 
for uh, the, the breakdown of America. And they're saying, uh, I want to I want a better package than that or we need a better package than that. So the dichotomy of leftism that it, it relies so much on the useful idiot, but at the same time. They actually are aware. <laughs> they actually are aware of of uh, of the fact that elections do have have consequences sometimes, and they're afraid of that. And as far as the uh, the other two clips there, Bernie Sanders, that's that's his. I mean, that's his boilerplate message. Nothing has changed there. It's just that there's more stories in order to support his boilerplate message of we're anti-establishment, even mm-hmm. though even though the Democrat Party has been moving the direction that he wants to take this country uh, for decades uh, before he was actually a national presence. That's been his boilerplate message since day one of 2016 of his campaign. Then we're we're here to take on the establishment. We're here to end endless wars. We're here to take on the drug companies. We're here to take on corporate America who's left you behind. That's been his boilerplate message. Nothing has changed there. It's just more news stories to support it. And then the final clip of of Donna Brazil. You know, I, I don't I don't think I, I, I would I would say that she could probably even give that analysis now. It's still Bernie's race to lose. The the uh, the the environment has changed a little bit. I mean, this is like this is like uh, what, what was attempted yesterday. You talk about the the environment of of elections as as the weather. It's something that you cannot change. Mm-hmm. What happened yesterday was like uh, uh, you know the you, you know um, the deep state dropping chemtrails. All right, that was they, we don't know if it's going to happen or not. We don't know if it you know we don't know if it's actually going to change things. But they're trying to change the weather. They're, they're trying to impact it, but I think Donna Brazil's analysis could still be given today. So what we have now by what the Democratic Party has done is, they, is, is they're trying to frame this as a choice with their own voters. Do you want to beat Donald Trump or do you want uh, a populist socialist rebellion? Another way of putting it is, do you want to win this election or do you want the fulfillment of what we've been trying to sell you for the last generation? That, that, that's, that's how they're framing yeah. the argument. And the thing is, I, I think Bernie Sanders is, is perfectly fine with having that argument. What we don't know, that, that's, you know, because he's on brand. I mean, he's been arguing these points in, in the least inspirational persuadable fashion possible his entire political career he's on brand i think what we don't know is how many democratic voters they can they can move this late in the process that see it the way that the democratic party does and tonight's going to be a big hint towards that end but then but but then there's a long-term problem here which is if if the if the Democratic Party is so desperate to beat Donald Trump that it is willing to effectively admit in public that it really doesn't believe a good portion of the stuff it's been selling in its party platform and to its people for for many many years how do the true believers react to that Because now you're not just adding that, hey, I want this. It's what I really believe as my motivation. But now you're, you're throwing some kerosene on the fire by admitting to, to this group of people, in a way, 
you've been lying to them and and using them all along. Hillary Clinton was just fine with with corporatism, provided that it it was funneled to the the Clinton Foundation instead, right? Yep. And that wasn't and 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 that Hillary Clinton didn't and the Clintons didn't take control of the Democratic Party because they were exclusively in the um, capitalism for me, but not for the camp. But because most Democrats are. Yeah. And that this is all just not much different than the Republicans. Let's just use government to, to help out our cronies and, and our constituency groups and the way we frame it, you know, Republicans frame it in the, in the, in, in, you know, in, in language of economic development. Right. And we just frame it in neo-Marxist language, but it's the same game. I mean, you, you can answer that better than me. What's See, a generation do if they're, I, if they're just going to admit to them up front we've been lying to this whole time? Well, this is what I keep coming back to one way or the other in this election cycle. We're going to see how much the makeup of the Democratic Party really is like the Republican Party. Because after 2016, di- disenchanted uh, conservatives said, we need a new party, we need a new party, we need a new party. We're going to see if that something like that actually happens if this goes full bore with the Democrats after 2020. Right, we're going to table the Super Tuesday stuff next hour, getting into more worldview, beginning with a pop culture story that you're going to see more of as we go further down a post-Christian culture. Here with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. And don't forget, if you're looking for samples of the program to share, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. If you are a regular podcast listener to the show, thank you very much. Uh, no matter when you choose to listen or from where, uh, we just appreciate any amount of time that you invest in our little humble corner of the world. But if you wouldn't mind, if you've got a few minutes today, leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow and then the more likely we are to to be here for you, the people. Thank you to all of you that have left us five-star reviews already. If you've not done so, please consider adding your name to the list. Pop Culture Tuesday is brought to you by our friends over at Brickhouse Nutrition. With all the talk right now about coronavirus, people have... Stop talking about the flu, which has killed like 16,000 people this year and hospitalized over a quarter of a million people in the U.S. already. And the season isn't even over yet. One of the best ways you can avoid getting sick is with a healthier immune system, which is why you want to fortify your body with Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. One scoop has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables, which will not just boost your energy, but also support a healthy immune system. Doctors agree that a diet of fruits and vegetables can reduce even your risk of heart disease. Plus, Field of Greens is prebiotic, probiotic, and a great source of vitamins, fiber, and other nutrients. Just one scoop in any water-based drink is all you need. Stir it and you're done. It's the only way we get our son Noah to eat and drink 
uh, his vegetables is with Field of Greens. He drinks some of this every single day. And right now you can save up to 15% off your first order with the offer code Steve when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com, offer code Steve. Subscribe today. Save an extra 10% every month if you go ahead and just subscribe too, all right? BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve. BrickHouseSteve.com. So, Aaron, this was a story that you brought to my attention. And the more you told me about it, I realized, you know, we should talk about this because it's a story that I think we're going to see a lot more of yep. as as we continue to, uh, to descend into a post-Christian culture in America. Yeah, so this is a story about uh, two guys named uh, Rhett McLaughlin and Link Neal. Rhett and Link, they're known as. Uh, they're two really, really, I mean, uber, when I say popular, tens of millions of subscribers. My kids used to be obsessed with their yeah, YouTube good, channel. Good yeah. Mythical Morning was uh, it was their big show. And in their main account, Rhett and Link, they do a lot of funny, uh, clean skits and and satirical songs, things of that nature. And when I say they're popular, like tens of millions of subscribers on YouTube across their various accounts, that's 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 pretty big. I mean, they've they have uh, just skyrocketed uh, into popularity, as you can see. The picture on the screen is is of them uh, going on the Tonight Show with the Jimmy Fallon, and they've had numerous big time guests on their own show, including Daniel Radcliffe. He's the guy who played Harry Potter, Jack Black. Um, uh, just, just to name a few, and uh, they uh, they actually came from a background that uh, that a lot of people don't know about, and I didn't know about this until I saw this over the weekend. I didn't I know, know until you told me yesterday. I didn't. About it. I, yeah, you didn't know until I told you yesterday about this. But uh, they both grew up in pretty uh, conservative, very Christian households, and uh, I'm going to say the the F word here, uh, fundamentalist. I dare say is is how some would would describe this, and both of them were actually missionaries and staff members for Campus Crusade for Christ, it's now known as as Crew, prior to their stardom online. And um, they haven't really, that I've seen much, They, I mean, like we just said, we didn't know this about them until this, uh, this story came out uh, last week, but they haven't really talked that much about their faith since they've gone to stardom on online. And last week, though, they published a series of podcasts on their on their podcast channel where they told their what they called them their their spiritual deconstruction stories and essentially in the midst of these podcasts both both uh, Rhett McLaughlin and Link Neal shared their stories of their faith and what undid them as far as as far as their belief and the the story that I found most fascinating would have been uh, Rhett McLaughlin. And he's the guy on the left in the picture for those of you uh, watching. I, the dude, the dude, this is not, I, I think I need to preface this from the very get-go here, Steve. Neither of these guys are just, or at least were, neither of these guys are your typical story of somebody who goes off and gets into the real world and they're being confronted with things that they've never heard before and they don't have any good answers for them and their parents never answered them. Both these guys are really well versed in the scriptures, especially right. He knows his Bible during the course of his deconstruction story. He he name drops Ravi Zacharias, Josh McDowell, uh, Lee Strobel, just to name a few. And, um, and and it was really impressive as well in a kind of a perverse way that 
whenever he brought up his objections, he always brought up a counterpoint. That's somebody who knows what he's talking about because he even talks about it during his deconstruction story. He basically described himself as an apologist when he was when he was working with Campus for Crusade for Christ. And where Rhett's story breaks down, he he starts to he starts to break down when it comes to issues of science and specifically young earth creationism. And he, he gives the reason that he sees all of this evidence for the earth being billions of billions and billions of of years old and he started to have problems with that he also gives a, a reason being that he doesn't really understand or really really have faith in the reliability of the scriptures specifically how they were compiled i believe the council of nicaea i think he brought that up no he didn't what he did not that's one of the worst yeah weakest See, arguments and those are okay those are the two of the, the weakest ones that's that, like a guy on youtube okay yeah. um agnostic 69 on yeah. youtube read dan brown checked out dan brown's book from the fiction section yeah. of the library those are, those are the ones bust out a video those are the ones that he that he kind of glossed over because i was taking this the, very seriously the, until you dropped the, that one the age of the earth the age of the earth thing that just shows i mean that's that's a simple philosophical thing you know if god is big enough to create the earth but he's not big enough to make it you know not big enough to make it actually aged um you know those those types of things are pretty simple Here's the thing with both of them, though, that they cite as one of their biggest bugaboos, I guess. It's the biblical sexual ethic, and they just uh-huh. can't. Yeah. Uh-huh. They just can't even. They can't even with that. They they see it as repressive to women I, and the I, I knew LGBTQ we were get, yeah, yeah. plus minority because yes. that is the major tenant. Aside from abortion, that's the major tenant. That's the major sacrament of the spirit of the age. And I find it, I find it funny, Steve— that that they're struggling, struggling, air quotes, struggling with this now on the other side of tens of millions of subscribers and tens of millions in the bank account. I find it odd that they're struggling with their their faith now, but they they didn't so much before. And that's that's the real bleak part about this. That's that's the real that's the real challenging part about this because for every um, there's somebody on the Gospel Coalition and I try to uh, try to cite as much as possible who wrote a, a kind of a rebuttal or a response to this who brought up a, a good point for people and there are there are people who are uh, shaken because I mean other than those two examples that I brought up uh, you know Rhett McLaughlin did a, a really good job um, in a perverse way of of uh, answering rebuttals to his reasons for doubting. Um, other than those two reasons, uh, this is apparently shaking some people's faith because this is a young audience. And when you hear somebody who is like that and a very likable person and provides the reasons and rebuttals for why he doesn't believe any longer, it, it can have an impact. But the, the, the major thing that's, I think, really bleak about this is that what if I have fame? What if I have fortune? And I'm I'm sitting there and I'm watching this deconstruction story and I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure I want to be tempted with that. When it seems like guys like this, he says Jesus was really real to him, things like that. Guys who really seem to be on top of it in their faith, um, they get fame and fortune and it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so long, uh, Audi 5000G. Uh, that's that's the real bleak thing about this, Steve. But as you previewed last hour, this is just going to be par for the course in the post-Christian era in which we live. 
so this is this is right at the intersection of pop culture and conservatism. I mean, this story, you're right. You were right when you brought this to my attention yesterday. This this story is everything that Pop Culture Tuesday is about. Everything. Okay. Um, that same day, Jesus went out of the house. He sat by the lake. Such large crowd, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. You mentioned that picture is from where? The Tonight Show. The with, Tonight Show. Yeah. yeah. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. you are watching with this story, this parable play out in real life. And I didn't, I didn't want to be on purpose. I didn't research a bunch of this story today. I wanted to let you give me the context and the background in real time with the audience. Because I was even going to predict to you that this was going to be where this story was going to go. Okay. It was going to go to the uh, LGBTQ shibboleth. Mm -hmm. And, and as you were, and, and I was a little concerned out that maybe, you know, maybe I prejudged this. I shouldn't stereotype like that. Cause the way you started this out, it was, you know, a, th a thoughtful crisis of faith. I couldn't have sympathy with that. I don't know who, what believer could not. Right. And then where I went, then, but then when you dropped Council of Nicaea on me, that's when I was like, okay. I almost, if, if I, I almost dropped a wait for it, wait for it, Anya, but I didn't. I, I let, I let it play itself out. And, and because my level of shock that this is, see, everything else you mentioned is a false objection. I don't have to meet these guys to know this. Everything else is a false objection. Because this just here's how this works. If you grew up in a fundy home, 
And they were adamant that you had to believe the earth was 6,000 years old. Okay. You had to believe all that stuff. Okay. And yeah. Rhett, Rhett said that his parents weren't even into that. Right. Okay. So that, that, and by the way, I've been to the creation museum. Uh, Ken Ham and his folks had me, me and my family out there a few years ago when it first opened. It's a tremendous place, by the way. But if you grew up in that, that you had to, that you had to, you, you weren't a Christian if you didn't believe any of that kind of stuff. And it was pounded down your rat hole. Okay. Th then I can see why you might rebel. But you don't that you don't you don't go join Campus Crusade for Christ. Produce years of perfectly clean material that is family friendly, and then decide these guys are like fifty years old now, but my age, and then and then decide you know what man I'm really hungry. I, I read a Fazal Rana book about about uh, old Earth uh, creationism, and I'm just my my no you don't you don't. Because, because if you were in a home that pounded that stuff down, that, that you had to follow that particular interpretation, then there was an overall fundy experience that you're struggling with, just not that particular doctrine, right. okay? That's, not, that's a false objection. And so the fact that now that we've attained a certain level of celebrity, of course this is where we are at. Of course we are. This is because this is the... This is, this is where the real battle is. There's an old line about uh, from Martin Luther that, you know, if I preach with immense passion about everything, except that which the culture is raging the most at that particular time, I'm a coward. And in the end, the saints who are willing to pay the cost of discipleship remain for many are called, but few are chosen. And that's what this is really a story about everything else. And that, that everything else you regaled us with, those are all the false objections. The council of Nicaea thing has been debunked 10 million times. I, I, I mean, that, that's just, that, you might as well jump out with, I don't believe Jesus ever lived. That's such a stupid objection, okay? Yes. So that's, that's one thing about this that I actually am thankful for because these guys, these guys understand sin. They understand uh, the need for a Savior. They understand the framework of the Christian worldview and the Christian faith. So instead of twisting Instead of twisting something to try to fit it into that, mm -hmm. they're just reject. They they realize that if if I reject God's standards on sexual ethics, I might as well reject everything yeah, else. At least they're carrying it consistently. So at least they're being consistent they're, and honest. Yeah, they're not trying. Well, it's a different kind of deception. It's not intentional deception. They're the Bernie Sanders here. They've just gone Bernie Sanders and realize. Give them points for self awareness. I guess is what it's, we're saying, right? I, you didn't even know this. Yep. Intentional deception. When uh, when Rhett McLaughlin dropped the whole, uh, uh, you know, I've read all of Ravi Zacharias's book and I found them uncompelling and he lists a couple of other well-known Christian apologists. He goes on to say, I don't think they're intentionally deceiving anyone, which which hmm. what does that say? That says, do you well, know what they prompted, are deceiving. Do you know what prompted this? No. Why they felt the need to have this conversation? No. Yeah. My guess is that news will come out in 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 a in a yeah. in a future time. But 
there's going to be more stories like this. Some of you have probably already lived this in a in in your in an individual fashion. Shocked at at the people in your suburban neighborhood who put Pete Buttigieg signs in their yards, thinking, "I, I, what, what are you thinking?" You know what that represents, right? And they're you know sitting behind you at church, and you know and 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 you know since you're there, your pastor didn't just take like Leviticus and Romans and just remove them from the Bibles at the church, so you know that they did. I'm surprised Rhett and Link didn't drop the, well, Jesus never talked about homosexuality, except they, the time in the Gospel of Matthew that he did. Okay. See, they know their stuff too well. Yeah, yeah. So, what they have just decided, this is not agnosticism. They may claim that it is, but it's not. This is unbelief. That is different. This is not someone struggling with the faith or just can't reason with it, can't get there. They are rejecting it. This is an unbelief. They have, they have determined that they would, what they want to be true is more preferable than what may actually be true. This is unbelief. They are, they are rejectors is what they are. And you're going to see more stories like this in a post-Christian culture. Here's why. Because there's a, I know on the right, boy, this is going to get me into trouble. Oh, well, I know on the right, we hate this term and I, and I, and I know why we hate it because it's been bastardized. In fact, let me introduce this. Let me introduce this point from another context. There was another story that came out. I think it was yesterday about a black couple that wanted to create to commit insurance fraud. Did you see this? So they tried pulling a Jesse Smollett. I did not. And the see cops that. caught, busted him, and arrested him for fraud. Right, saying that their car was vandalized by hashtag MAGA. Okay, right? Yeah, I, I saw this story yesterday. There have been a slew of fake hate crimes. We've we've been we've all mm-hmm. seen these all debunked, right? But does it mean though that there aren't? Now, I think the notion of criminalizing hate is a slippery slope because wanton acts of violence are already committed from a premise of hate, right? You're essentially creating a, a code that says it's it's worse to hurt certain people than it is others. It yep. shouldn't it just be bad to hurt people, right? right? Okay. But but so let I'm not when I use the term hate crime, let's let's not I'm not looking at it in a legal standpoint. All right. I agree with all of our logic on the illogic of this from a legal standpoint. I'm looking at it morally. Does that mean there are not crimes that people commit out of hate for the other, whether that's a, a race, it's a, a, ethnicity, et cetera? Does that, does that, because we have been inundated with these fake hoaxes, does that mean there aren't any though of the real thing? Is Absolutely that what it means? Not. Dylan Roof would beg to differ, yeah. right? Okay, that's not what it means. Similarly, because the term white privilege has been just completely bastardized, and used as an excuse for just any form of cultural Marxism. Does that mean, though, that when you are the majority in a culture, there, that you don't automatically get a certain benefit of the doubt? And, that, and that's just human nature. That's just human nature. 
if, if you are the dominant tribe in, a, in any culture or subculture, people have a tendency to give benefit of the doubts to people that look and sound and think like them, right? Right. That's just how we roll. You know, if you, if, if you, if, 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 if the story broke in, in the next five minutes, you mentioned the name Ravi Zacharias, he's going mm-hmm. in for back surgery, by the way. So if the story broke in the next five minutes that, that he has been caught in his own Catholic abuse scandal, Catholic priest abuse scandal, terrible acts with children. And it broke like at, um, let's, let's say the expose was written at like Vox. Would your initial inclination as a believer be, Aaron, to buy it whole cloth or at face value or to be like, uh, I'm, you know, given Ravi's body of work here, I'm going to, and, and where Vox is coming from, I'm going to need a little bit as a believer. I'm going to, I'm going to need a, some, some further confirmation of this. Definitely the latter. So you're giving Ravi the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Why? Because he's in my tribe. Because he's in your tribe. That's just human nature. It's how it operates. Okay. It's it's why Wesley Snipes didn't think, and 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 Kadeem Hardison didn't think that um, uh, that it, that uh, Whiteman could couldn't jump. Didn't doesn't it's not part of our tribe, man. That's human nature. And the idea that there is a certain amount of of a benefit of the doubt when your worldview is the dominant worldview in the culture. That's just true folks. Let's not even try lying about it. And, and the, and the truth is in the history of the Christian church, we've actually seen such notions. We've seen them used to abuse the other. We've, we've got some red in our ledger where that is concerned. Well, that's all gone now. I mean, the good news is you're getting no benefit out of claiming that you believe in, in, in Jesus and the scriptures now. There's no cultural benefit to it whatsoever. None. We're in a post-Christian culture. You're viewed with like skepticism now. So there's going to be the multitude. What you're going to see is the, is the ranks of multitude is going to shrink and the ranks of disciples is going to swell. And it's not necessarily going to be, unless there's revival, that there's just more disciples. They're just going to be more noticeable now because the multitude is going to tap out. The folks that just had this because it was simple, easy. I grew up with it. It's what my parents expected of me. Um, You know, well, I have a generic belief in the Ten Commandments or a generic belief that God exists. And, uh, you know, we, we go to church on Christmas. The minute... The minute there is a price to pay for this, the minute you face any form of persecution, uh, the loss of a of a relationship, a job, a, of, of of standing, stature, or the the real capital P persecution that believers outside of the West typically suffer mm-hmm. across the world, that's when the sheep and the goat get separated real quick, like. The minute that there's a cost, you know, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. Rhett and Link sounded to me like the kinds of people that would have been there, heard the sermon, enjoyed the show, loved it, thought it was great. But then when, when you got done eating from the bounty of the miracle that Jesus performed and he turned around and he said, now, if any of you will come after me, if, any, if you want any more of this, basically is what he's saying, 
If you want any more of this, you're going to have to understand the cost, which is going to require you to drink of, of my cup, drink my blood and eat of my flesh. Meaning walk the road I'm going, I'm going to go down. The sacrifice that's going to be made on your behalf. And a lot of those people that enjoy that, a lot of those 5,000, that, that multitude that enjoyed that miracle, what'd they get up and do when, the, when, when he started dropping knowledge on them? What'd they do? Get it out of here. Yeah, they skedaddled. How many of those people, how many of those Rhett and links did Jesus turn to and say, please don't go. Don't leave. You don't know what's at stake here. How many? Do you know the number? Zero. He didn't. He didn't try to resell any of them. In fact, what Christ did was he then turned around to his disciples and challenged them instead and said, hey, are you guys, you guys going to bounce too? Are you out? You the eject? There's going to be more and more stories like this. And, it's, and, and here's the thing about the LGBTQ issue. There has, there has always been believe there have always been believers that were real disciples, really converted that were wrong on a doctrine and maybe like terribly wrong and like even convinced other people of their wrongness. Why? Because we're human beings. We're subjective. Even, even while we're being regenerated, we're still in this flesh. Okay. Do you think every theology Thursday I've done on this show has been theologically correct and precise? Now, I didn't knowingly tell you something I thought was false, but dude, I'm a guy named Steve, man. Of course I've told you things that are wrong. Check everything I'm telling you for yourself. Just like I check what people tell me for myself. The difference, though, is so so don't make it as don't don't I would urge you not to make it as simple as, well, you know what? That person's soft headed on LGBTQ. They must not really be a believer. Don't don't go. Don't make it like that. But if someone is to the point that if you're openly promoting that which God says is wrong. If you're advocating that which God says is wrong, that's when you start asking questions. Similarly, the thing that the LGBTQ thing represents, it's not LGBTQ and your position on that is, is not a litmus test for the orthodoxy of your theology. Jesus is. Okay, don't turn this into a reverse idol. You know what I'm saying by about, you know what I mean by that, Aaron? Don't mm -hmm. turn this into a reverse idol. Don't become overly preoccupied with it. Okay, don't ignore it and then don't be obsessed with it either. Okay. But it but it it's the flashpoint in the culture today where a Christian is often asked to pay a cost for their faith. And that's that's where it's it it, it it's a window to the soul. Are you willing to pay a cost for your faith? Because in our culture, that's the issue that often forces us to find out. And Rhett and Link shared the answer. And for them, it was no.
quick programming notes tonight here on Blaze TV, and you'll be able to access this at blazetv.com, Blaze TV's YouTube and Facebook pages as well. Live coverage of Super Tuesday tonight uh, with uh, Glenn Beck in the anchor chair starting at 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, yours truly will be included in that coverage, uh, as will virtually the entire team here uh, at Blaze TV with, uh, as well, Ben Shapiro from Daily Wire going to be joining us as well. All right. So, uh, blazetv.com, promo code SUPER, if you want to get $20 off your Blaze TV subscription with the code SUPER today. blazetv.com, promo code SUPER, SUPER Tuesday coverage tonight, beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. I think I said 7 because I'm thinking our time. 8 p.m. Eastern time uh, tonight at Blaze TV, uh, the Blaze TV YouTube channel and uh, Blaze TV Facebook as well. And then speaking of Super Tuesday, in our overtime later today here at Blaze TV, we're going to take a look at where the race stands in each of these states here tonight and kind of do some forecasting of where we think things are going to go for Super Tuesday. So if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, cool. It'll be there for you later today. If not, Go there and subscribe, blazetv.com slash dace, blazetv.com slash dace. Aaron, before we get to our final topic here today, your thoughts on, on on my reaction to the Rhett and Link story, since it was your story, I want to give you the last word that you wanted to talk about it, but sure. it's a story, it's going to be legion, if you get the pun, uh, we're going to see a lot more stories like this in, in the era in which we live right now. Sure. Yeah. And that's, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate your response to this and I, I would probably echo all of that. And I would just say a, a few things in, in wrapping up this story. I, I think it is, it is important to realize that there is more integrity, uh, in a weird way with Rhett and Link doing this than there is in, I don't know uh, your neighbor who goes to goes to the mega church, mega church every uh, every Sunday, the 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 uh, the secret sensitive church every Sunday, and has a Pete Buttigieg or just took down his Pete Buttigieg sign in the front yard. You bet, twisting twisting scripture to fit what they want. What Rhett and Link did is they saw what scripture says. And they said, that's not what we want. Yeah, we reject it. And so yeah. we're not going to do that. There is there is integrity there. Yeah. In in a weird way. Yeah. Uh secondly, I mentioned the, 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 it's the Bernie it's Bernie Sanders. Yes, exactly. There, there's a certain integrity to Bernie Sanders. He is he is fulfilling what the what what the Democrat talking points have really meant. Now, whether the Democratic Party really wanted that or just used those talking points, who knows? But mm-hmm. and was virtue signaling with him, Pete Buttigieg. I want to vote for Pete Buttigieg style. Who knows? Yeah. But Bernie Sanders is the is the one that's operating with integrity in this process. Um, it, it's the wrong integrity, but it's integrity nonetheless, and that's what Rhett and Link are doing here. Yeah. Yes. And secondly, I mentioned the Gospel Coalition piece earlier, and and there was a great reminder in there for for people who. Are well, boy. This is you know, uh, this is this is really depressing. This you know, for every Retin Link uh, out there, there's a Lee Strobel, there's a, a Jay Warner Wallace, who's who's another famous. We yep. had him on our show recently. Uh, there, there's there's others who have come back from atheism or agnosticism and decided, unlike Retin Link, that this actually makes more sense of the world. This actually is better than the world than what I've. Than what I've been holding on to as well, and I, I think the last thing is is the response to a story like this. You can either go one of two ways. Um, I really don't 
want to put myself up on a pedestal, and you know with a disclaimer like that, that's probably what I'm about to do, albeit unintentionally. When I read this, I thought, man, this is blink, bleak, I should say. And this is not all, as we articulated in the last segment, this is not all of why Rhett and Link did what they did, but the fame and fortune aspect to this cannot be understated. Now that they've really got everything to lose, um, we're gonna we're gonna have it our way, Burger King. Whereas if they are, you know, working for uh, a ministry at ministry wages, uh, they have they have nothing. They have nothing to lose, and it's a lot easier to cling to the Christian faith at that point in time. I, I think our reaction can be one of two ways: ah, you know, apostates uh, uh, enough with them. Or we can, and this is this was my reaction, it, it was a little maybe navel-gazing, but I, I'm glad the reaction was what it was. Like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be tempted with fame and fortune, hmm. if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And I, again, I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal, but I, you know, if that's what happens, if that's what happens, I mean, these guys, these guys had it, you know, going on it, it, from the outside, I should put that stipulation um, I, I don't know if I really want to be tempted with that, if that's something that can happen. What I think is fascinating, did they say why they read some of the apologetic books that they had been reading? Did they uh, bring no, that up? They, these are just books okay. that they read as they were growing up, and these are things that they were genuinely interested in. I, I also wonder, given the fact that it's likely these guys grew up in Christian families, I could see friends and family members, when these conversations come up, sending them these books and things of that nature, okay? Sure. And hey, you, hey, how, you know... But in the end, the real issue is they don't want to pay the cost for believing this. Yep. And that's we we that's where you kick the dust off your sandals and move on to the next town. And and you can and then you decide, you know, if you still think their content is funny, they're still using their God-given gifts in a way that blesses other people, even if they don't want to acknowledge the gift giver. Um, I mean, you make those decisions your on your, you know, in your own way. But that's really what what's at stake here. It's that most. I've said this for years. Rick Warren started Saddleback Church by taking a poll. They, they pulled the local community to ask them, why don't you come to church? And there's, there's, there's going to be reasons and some of them are good, but they're all false objections. All of them, all, all, they're all false objections. I know because I was one of those people. I can tell you what the answer is. I was one of those people for 30 years of my life. I don't want to confront the fact that I'm a sinner. That's why I don't come. I don't want you to confront my sin. That's why I don't show up. You can change the music. You can do anything you want. Do anything you want. But in the end, I don't want to be confronted with my own sin. Now, somewhere there is a sizable portion of our audience laughing at this entire conversation and saying, thank God for election because we don't even sweat stuff <laughs> like this. <laughs> All right? But on that note, let's close with something fun. Shall we? Yeah. Not that the rest of this hasn't. But but this is... Uh, this is um, Fun is its very essence of this topic. Hillary Clinton is set to launch, ladies and gentlemen, her own podcast. Why? Why not? What, what, what else would she do with her life? 
This is this has been her identity. This has been her idol her entire life. So I'm living proof anybody can have a podcast these days. Why not Hillary Clinton? So I thought it would be interesting to ask you in the audience. I, I came up with, I think, Aaron, these are four certainly applicable, reasonable titles with some level of catchiness to them for the forthcoming Hillary Clinton podcast, don't you? Well, yeah. And, and not, let's, these, none of these lack any basis at all. Well, let's let's underscore this. I mean, the name of the podcast is is pretty dang important you because bet it if is. it's not if it's not interesting or if it doesn't if it's not informative of, of what's on the show, uh, people are just going to uh, people are going to feel misled if it's not you know indicative of, of what's on the show. And people aren't going to be interested in, if it's not an interesting name. So the, the name of a podcast is important, and, and you're trying to help. Now, if you have a big name. Like Adam Carolla, didn't you know? I think, does he still have the number one podcast in the world? It's him or Joe Rogan, right? I think it's Joe Rogan. But last the, I knew. both those guys had were celebrities with followings before they started a podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you get a huge name, you can just use that name, which then makes me wonder why I don't have a huge name. So why are we just using? My we name? won't talk about that right now. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So self awareness is dead. On the other hand, if your name is really tarnished. If the brand, and that could be debatable with 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 killer. I'm sorry, with Hillary, it could be debated that that's a brand that needs a reboot. And I don't I don't think that makes you a hater, right? Sure, sure. I mean, if 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 you left home millions of people who should have voted for you, but didn't want to in your last election, that could be a Here's hint. A sign that it, possibly that could be a hint. That you could use some control alt delete. You could you could use, and and why should just the Bravo channel be the only place that you go to get a makeover, mm-hmm. right? Why can't why can't this the straight white Christian males pull off a makeover? Yeah. So let's give it a shot. Should we try it? Yeah. All right. So here are my top four suggestions for for Hillary Clinton's podcast, just to give the 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 the, the brand a reboot, maybe expand her audience a little bit, and show people that there's you know. There's more going on here. Here's my first suggestion. How about kind of fun-loving, mm-hmm. the fun-loving Hillary, yeah. right? She's just chilling in Cedar Rapids. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. I mean, the effervescence there. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if I'm not a Hillary fan, and if I can pick up on the magnetism of the charisma there, I mean, if, if it can have it, if it can move me, then just think of the amount of people that are more prone to agree with her on stuff that also might think, you know what, that's somebody that I think just brings a lot of energy, a lot of inspiration. Can we play that again? Just because, I mean, this is, I mean, this is fantastical. I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. I mean, when you look it, at like the, the prepared smile, yeah. the monotone voice. Yes. I mean that. And, I mean that to, absolutely just and, that 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 grabs you. Well, and this is the one that I voted for, but you, you know it it is it is also really gets to the heart of of who she is as well because depending mm. depending on depending on the temperature of the morgue at any given time, she has let a lot of people chill. <laughs> so we're going there now huh already we're, we're, that's that's how we're playing this okay I, 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 
Yeah, I don't, you don't know what you don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. All right. All right. Pete Buttigieg double entendre. Pete Buttigieg double entendre's call. They agree. They have no idea what yeah. you're referencing. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. All right. Our second suggestion for the Hillary Clinton podcast: dress like Benny Hinn. And based on the conversation we just had, Rhett and Link could be like your first guests, yeah. right? Yep. The very first guest dressed like Benny Hinn. And I do think here's what I think is cool too. The with the with the this is really just true virtue signaling uh, to the uh, to the less fortunate out there. She's wearing the same getup but without the gold buttons. Have mm-hmm. you noticed that? Yeah. So yep. she's in all white, you know, to signify innocence and purity, right? Um, but dressed like Benny Hinn, I, I'd subscribe to that podcast, right? I mean, who doesn't well, yeah. Who doesn't want to listen to somebody who dresses like Benny Hinn? You know, she's been in politics basically her entire adult life. And and so if you're wanting to kind of get out of that, this is a good, this is a good kind of entryway, entryway into a, a kind of more of a lifestyle dressed like, you know, sure. Uh, it's more of a lifestyle, um, you know, podcast that, that, that you can get into the, the broader picture of, of Hillary Clinton beyond you know, you could even talk about dresses too. Of you know, and this probably, just, probably don't want to talk about dresses. No, that, that, certainly not blue ones. But I just got to thinking about this too, though. Right? You go, you you, you go to see Benny Hinn to get slain in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay, you go to see Hillary Clinton just to get slain. Yeah, if you see what I. Does that make any sense? No, 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 no picking up what you're putting down. No, yeah. no, yeah. You don't, you don't know what a Vince Foster was. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's get to our 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 next suggestion for Hillary's podcast. Epstein didn't kill himself. What do you think? Is I I think she could have some fun with that. Practice a little self awareness, but it, it could also be a bit of a warning shot. Hey, you 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 won't come on. You want to post something? You want to troll me in the comment section? Mm-hmm. You don't want to give me a five-star review? In fact, she could like end her podcast with that, right? Hey, I tried to get so-and-so on. They didn't want to come on. Hey, I saw you, uh, you uh, blankety-blank, leaving negative comments on my podcast page, and yeah. we don't have enough five-star reviews. Just remember that Epstein didn't kill himself. You know, that could have multiple meanings, right? Yeah, I could just Kind of keep the audience in line, too. You can hear her saying that as we're talking about this. Uh, Epstein didn't kill himself. I'm Hillary Clinton. Um, Yes. Yeah, that's... That'll work. You could be chilling in Cedar Rapids as well. Yeah, so if the other... What we're really saying is if if the other two don't work, if, if you can't beat them... Then, oh no, if you, if you can't join them or get them to join, then you need to beat them into submission. That's, it, it, that's how the old axiom goes, right? Th- yes. Now, this last one is my personal favorite. Not that the other three are lacking, I think, for any inspiration, but this last one would be my vote. All right. If I did it, I love that. Okay. Um, you know, that was the name of the book that OJ wrote. Uh, to try to cash in on his when he was broke uh, for his notoriety for uh, being a murderer, not allegedly. And I would dare him to sue me because I'd love to see that discovery phase. I think it'd be tons of, I'd be roll out the barrel fun. Uh, But um, if I did it, Hillary Clinton's podcast, because here's the thing, you're not just making references here to like 
Vince Foster and Jeffrey Epstein and all the other people that have just like mysteriously disappeared from the Clinton orbit. But I mean, this could be like Rose Law Firm, Whitewater, Clinton Foundation. I mean, the amount of thing Benghazi. Sure. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, and that could be a title maybe too, if since we invoked Benghazi, what difference does it make? Yeah. But I just don't think that 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 sells people, you know? You, you don't want to name your podcast, what difference does it make? That's true. That's true. But I think these other things could would actually entice people to listen. And there's there's so much red in Hillary Clinton's ledger that it could be, if I did it, could be a reference Aaron to obtain different things. Yeah. Civil and criminal for that matter. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're looking for different topic ideas, you know, she's got a long storied career. Um, You know, she could just, she and her producers could just uh, sit around and say, if I did it, you know, that one time when I was That could be like whole episodes. Exactly. Let's say that I, you know, let's say I did do, do I swindled a whole bunch of poor folks in Arkansas with a land deal called Whitewater. Let's let's say I did. Let's say I did do it. If I did it, here's how it would have gone down. And like people would like listen, you know, Mm -hmm. and then wonder, did she really do it? Is she admitting stuff? Right. I mean, let's say Vince Foster really was my lover. And it wasn't just a mysterious suicide. Let's just saying, if I did it, all right, if I did it, it would have, it would have played out thus. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, now dude, straight up. Cause some of this, in case you hadn't noticed is a little tongue in cheek. All right. Straight up, dude. I'm listening great. to every single one of those podcasts, <laughs> every single one of, are you kidding me? We would like, we would have like segments of this show devoted in to reacting to clips of that podcast. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, just FYI, uh, on this poll on Twitter that you put out, that one is leading 47%. Epstein didn't kill himself, is 42 Dressed like Benny Hinn is 7 and my personal favorite is in last place, chilling in it, in Cedar Rapids at 4%. So. You have any final, from the, if you were going to be a producer, if, 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 if someone looking to produce Hillary Clinton's podcast, yeah. you have any production advice for them on that? Well, on that end, I think the first thing that I would do is probably probably uh, contact my financial advisors and and urge other staff members to do the same and and get their last living will and and testament um, put together, you know, before you start working with Hillary Clinton. That's a good rule of thumb for any job. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But especially, but especially especially this this one. one. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, I would, after that, I I would just, um, I I would just try not to look her in the eye and, um, you know, maybe, maybe if she's, if she's right in front of me, I'll just kind of talk to the side and, um, end every sentence with, uh, if it pleases. I, my advice would be on all of your social media accounts on a regular basis, post i am i am not currently suicidal yeah nor am i currently having any suicidal thoughts yeah. i i think that would be the best advice that i could give because you're let's face it you're, you're probably expendable yeah all right well that's going to do it for today's show we're going to stick around and do some overtime looking ahead to the individual states on the docket tonight for super tuesday don't forget all the super tuesday coverage right here at blaze tv anchored by the one and only glenn beck yours truly will be, be providing some commentary as well we are back at it again tomorrow right here on blaze tv radio and podcast until then john 317 This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.